folks, and welcome or welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again. And this podcast was brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis, a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian. He's been living here in Japan for the past two decades, eight years of which he's been actively buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in the city on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So his company has a dedicated loan officer in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts panel sessions. So you're probably already aware that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan and in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or if you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, drop him a line on emil.gorgis, that's E-M-I-L dot G-O-R-G-E-E-S, emil.gorgis at tokyorealty.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, so pretty short episode today, but hopefully helpful. This is a conversation that I've had with a potential new client originally from the US, but he's been roaming and residing in many places uh, around Asia. And he's looking for the cheapest, easiest way to invest in property or other vehicles that could also be leveraged for residency purposes. So we talk holiday, short-term stay properties, resort properties, and plain vanilla investment properties and everything with a pretty limited budget in mind. And we also talk a bit about other investment options that are not directly property related. So again, short but very interesting conversation there. Hope you find some value in it and I'll see you again on the other side. Yep, so I've just browsed through your email. Let me just close the Outlook thing so it doesn't bloop at us. Oh, and also I'm working from home today so there could be a cat running around the screen. Oh, sorry about that. Yep. So you you're looking at properties you've mentioned in uh, uh, Niigata and another place. Um, based on the price, I'm assuming you're talking about um, kind of ski ski resort units. Yeah, I wasn't sure. So like in the U.S., we have things like um, holiday homes, where it's more of a timeshare. I didn't know if, if I would own those properties. I couldn't get any information from the real estate agency. It would be like an ownership of the property. Yeah, so timeshare is not a big thing in Japan. What you'll see there is, um, I'm assuming they are on a ski resort, right? Yeah. Yeah, so these are usually actual freehold properties that you're going to be owning outright. The reason they're so cheap is because the, um, the owners, which are usually kind of elderly Japanese, are just not using them anymore and they don't want to pay the monthly fees because each of these, um, I haven't seen the links to, um, you can send me the links here on the chat if you want, but these would usually be 200, 300 bucks a month in resort, um, resort fees, sometimes even more than that. And they're just yeah, very... I can send an after call if that's okay with you. Sorry? 
Can I send them after the call? Yeah, yeah, sure. So usually, I mean, the, the listings might show you, if you have a closer look, they might show you how much the monthly fees are. And that's usually a case of the owners just wanting to stop paying them as soon as possible kind of thing. Okay, good. That's good news on my end, yeah. Yeah, so there's a bit of due diligence involved and the purchase costs are going to make it um, usually a lot more than what they actually look like. Um, but you could probably... So the last person we helped purchase one of these, um, the price of the property was about 400,000 yen, so about 4,000 US. With all of the purchase costs and the agent's fees and everything involved in that, it ended up being about 10,000. Okay. So I wouldn't expect it to be less than that. And I can explain a bit more about how all the purchase costs work and so forth. But um, first off, is that still within your budget or did you just want them because they look like they were 400 bucks a piece? No. Well, it was mainly that um, I've been, I looked at somewhere like a thousand dollars pretty much. And then I was like, okay, I didn't, because I, I do Airbnb listings for other clients. I've never owned property before. I'm 25 now. Yeah. But I thought like maybe I could do like Airbnb listings for the apartments. I didn't know if they're allowed. No, the no. So you're not going to be able to do that. These are all in resorts that have owner unions and the owner unions will strictly disallow that. They'll even not let you, uh, in some cases, depending on the resort, but they might not even let you um, let family and friends use it. it. You might have to accompany whoever's using it at any given time. Okay. Do you have any other properties that are pretty affordable? Um, at this price, you're probably not going to get anything that you can Airbnb. Um, these are properties that people want to get rid of exactly for that reason, because they can't do anything with them except use them themselves and they're not using them anymore. Got you. And then did you know, like any, I know property isn't like a basis for residency in Japan. I was trying to figure out how to get residency in Japan. So to get residency, you would need to... The only way that's somehow related to investment is via a business manager visa. So for that, you would need to set up a business at a cost of, um, you'd need to put in capital of approximately 50,000 US. And then the business would need to pay you a salary or generate an income of at least 25,000 US in taxable income. So after all deductions have been claimed in taxable income every year for the visa to be extended beyond one year. So to get that okay. via to get that via property, it's a pretty expensive property to generate that much every year. Um, it's a better idea to just um, buy into a franchise business or set up your own business and actually hire staff and start, you know, generating income business, real business income. And then if the business generates enough income, you can get a business manager visa and extend it. We interrupt this broadcast, I always wanted to say this, we interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo and they offer a home away from home experience which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, or if you just need summer quiet to hide away from the world. So they offer a variety of options for families, for corporate relocations, or simply if you're transitioning between homes in Tokyo. Now the properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. 
They've got fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in, a fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know they're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but long-term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, you definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profits or a holiday home that you want rented out when not in use via short-term stays, drop them a line today see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth your visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at emil.gorgies, G-O-R-G-E-E-S, at tokyorealty.jp. Is there any like business franchise you would think of that's pretty affordable and would do, do, do the work pretty much? Um, well, we actually recently started another company that helps people do that. Uh, the cheapest one that we've currently got in our case studies is, let me have a quick look. Um, Probably about 10 million yen to start up, which is about 100,000 US. Um, but you want to give yourself runway until the business catches on and starts generating income beyond the monthly expenses. So you probably want to give yourself at least six months of, um, of operations. So I'd say probably factor in about 20 million yen, so about two, maybe slightly under 200,000 US if you want to be safe. Uh, okay. <laughs> I guess, you know, I was just looking, I'm probably moving to Vietnam, to be honest. Um, yep. I have like a business opportunity there I'm going to be taking advantage of, and I just didn't know if I could have any like, real estate investments in Japan while I'm there. You can do that, yeah. Because I went to high school at an international boarding school, so I have two friends from that live in Japan. One's in the military, and he's Japanese. So I kind of thought like that'd be cool to live in the same country as he is, because I love Japan. I've been there a few times, and it's absolutely beautiful. Well, you can buy investment properties in Japan, like little studio units for that actually generate rental income, not Airbnb, so not short-term stays, just normal Japanese tenants on a long-term lease. And those start at about 20, 30,000 US. Um, but I mean, they're only going to be generating about two, 300 bucks a month um, in rental income. So I'm not sure if that's, it's definitely not something that's going to get you a visa. Yeah, I'll be okay without a visa. Like, but living in Vietnam, like my expenses when I lived there for a little bit were only like 600, $800 a month. So I get to snag like a couple of those up and just you know, live in Vietnam, that might be worthwhile looking into. Yeah, so that can be done here from about 20, 30,000 US per property. And they'll generate, um, 
so let me just quickly calculate so if you put in say 30,000 US um, the kind of safe and stable income you can definitely count on would be maybe five or six percent let's call it five and a half per year um, so times 0 0.05 so about $1,500 a year. Uh, so if you buy three of those, divide that by 12. So you'll be making something like 400 bucks a month if you have three of those in net, oh, okay. so net pre-tax. Okay. Um, so that's pretty good. Yeah, that would see something I might look into. Could I ever live in one of them? If you're happy living in something that's, um, there'll usually be somewhere between 15 to 20 square meter studios. Um, so kind of like a hotel room, if you're okay living in that, yeah. Yeah, that'd be okay. Yeah. Um, when I'm in a, because I'd always be outside, honestly, if I'm living in like Japan, but my apartment's pretty small right now anyways. Yeah, but they're not gonna be in any, um, I mean, at that price, they're not going to be in uh, Tokyo, Osaka, like any big city. They're going to be in small prefectural capital satellite cities. They might be within an hour to a big city or two hours by train. Yeah, I like the countryside, honestly. I'm, I'm sometimes in a city person, but yep. as I've gotten older a little bit, I've been more of a country person. Okay, so yeah, in, in that case, that's very doable, yeah. Okay, perfect. You know, I don't think there's much else. I was just wondering, like, how, when did this company get founded? Um, well, I mean, if that's what you're looking for, we'll send you some samples, um, like Excel sheet, deal analysis sheets, so you can actually see um, how much everything costs and how much they generate per month. We'll send you a few samples of those. And uh, if and when you want to start pursuing any of those, just let us know and we'll kick off the engagement process. Sounds great. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Have a good one. All right, so there you have it. Um, yes, there are options out there that can be leveraged for visa and residency purposes, but it's important to understand what can and can't be done and plan accordingly. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa, and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company, and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com, and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku. Bye.